Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Ramsey gets the snap, looks left, holds, now steps up, puts a pass off to Watt. Pillars picks up, intercepted Alex Davis. Alex Davis gets the deflected ball, picks it off. Huskers have it at the 27-yard line. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Nate Rohr. We have made it to a weekend and a weekend full of Husker sports. Welcome to Sports Island here on a Friday night as it's about to get underway in a couple of hours at Pinnacle Bank Arena as the Nebraska Cornhuskers set to take on the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. Fred Hoiberg in search of his first win as Husker head coach. We've just got an hour of Sports Island, which will take you right up to pregame coverage with Kent Pavelka and Jake Muehlheiser. Welcome to the program. We're going to... uh, have a couple of things for you before we hand it off to Husker Hoops. We're going to hear uh, a little bit of Ben McLaughlin's Cornhusker conversation for tomorrow with Muhammad Barry, Husker senior inside linebacker. We'll have that for you here in a couple of minutes. And later in the hour, we'll have our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks. Nate Rohr has been inflappable the last couple of weeks. Feeling good. Feeling like a lot of momentum. My Illinois pick was brilliant. It was insightful. Brilliant. I, I saw the future. And the future is Lovey Smith. I mean, I even when it was 28-3, your swagger was still there that they were going to rally and win that game in East Lansing. Or I was busy at a wedding and couldn't tweet my <laughs> rage about – but I, uh, these friggin' Illini duped me. I was duped see, into believing in them. You and I had opposite things last week because I picked Northwestern to win, and I felt great the whole game. I'm like, they're uh-huh. going to do it. They're going to beat Purdue. You picked Illinois. They were getting crushed. And at the end of the day, I lost, you win. Well, you know. Some, some guys get all the breaks, Greg. <laughs> but Husker Hoops uh, tonight for us here on the network. Uh, man, this team, needs, this team needs the sight of the ball going through the basket. And hopefully that happens for them tonight. Yeah, shooting's been a real challenge for this team. And, of course, under Fred Hoiberg, it was expected that the offense would be pretty good. And maybe before the season's out, we'll see this team a little more proficient on that end of the floor. But so far, it's been rough. There's been progress. You, you felt like the opener against UC Riverside was maybe a bit of a wake-up call for them after Riverside comes in here and wins by double digits, and though they're not able to finish off the victory last week against Southern Utah, it, the game went to overtime, and and so hopefully this team's a little closer to picking up a victory and, and giving themselves the reward of a win after all the work they've done to get ready for this year. I'll be interested to see if he tweaks the lineup a little bit tonight. Sure. The same five to start the first two games. Does he just tinker with it a little bit to go out? Well, can't hurt to try a little bit something different. Maybe try this guy off the bench, this guy in the starting five, just to see if they can generate some momentum. You have the freedom of non-conference play. I mean, you want to win every time you go out, but at the same time, this is a good time to experiment and try and find something that works for you. And I have a sense that that's going to be a big part of this year for Fred Hoiberg and the staff when you basically start from scratch. I mean, I can't think of another college basketball team that had as little in the building coming back from the year before as, as Nebraska had. So when you start from scratch as Nebraska did, you, you know, it's just 
you're going to be playing around with combinations, lineups, what works on the defensive end, what works on the offensive end. And so I think that process will continue. Yeah, I, I do too. And I think, you know, that's what November's for is to try mm-hmm. to figure out what combinations work, don't work, which guys play better with which guys. And so I think, I think we'll see a little bit of that tonight. I may be wrong, but we'll see. Again, pregame coverage at the top of the hour. Tip off just after 8 o'clock at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Expecting a big crowd. South Dakota State's off to a – they're 2-1. and one. They lost at USC the other night. Played okay out at, at Southern California. Had a fly – they flew back on Wednesday. Bust down here yesterday for the game. So that may be a little bit of a dead leg team that comes out on Pinnacle Bank. But they do have some Nebraska natives on that team that they're going to be fired up to play the Big Red. Yeah, Winget, the kid out of uh, Winnebago, I'm sure there will be – Quite a few of his fans there. And then the kid out of Aurora, also a, another Nebraska native on that roster. So th- there will be some Jackrabbit fans in the building. I mean, you think about it, the Saturday, the Friday night before a Husker football game, there are probably SDSU grads that come down for the Husker games that are having mm-hmm. to pick between their red and their blue. There are probably even some Wisconsin grads who – or Wisconsin football fans who went to SDSU right. or whatever. And and so they're probably going to be pulling for the Jackrabbits. And then the in-staters, as we mentioned. So be an interesting night at PBA. The SDSU football team will be here next September. How about that? They're on the schedule for the Oscars in 2020. You mentioned Husker football. Big Red plays Wisconsin tomorrow at 11. You and I, you realize you're on the air again in 12 hours. Oh, do you, do you realize that? I just, no. I'm like 610. Yep. Don't six, tell me that. 6, six a.m. No. Oh. Start brewing the coffee Ooh. now. Maybe we just sleep here tonight. Uh, okay. Huskers play at 11 tomorrow against the Badgers. Um, the guys had it in the ticker at the top of the show. Was news today about Tyron Ferguson. He has been dismissed from this football team. The senior from Louisiana appeared in six games this year. Had four tackles, two for a loss. Was really excited for the coaching change when it happened two years ago. And I remember Javon DeWitt, who was his position coach, was thrilled with Tyron through the first spring and summer. But you could just tell that there was it wasn't going well. His playing time really diminished. And a, a parting of the ways for Nebraska is Tyron Ferguson no longer a Husker. That's the second guy for this week. Nate, that's no longer a part of the team, is Moses Bryant. The walk-on from Elkhorn put his name into the transfer portal earlier this week. You heard Coach Frost utter that most of the guys were excited about the end of the year. He made a, a point about saying that yesterday, and you're like, hmm, that, that, that means not everybody's in. Well, this is probably what he was talking about right here. You feel like this program has come to something of a crossroads with – you know, three games left. You got to win two to get to a bowl game uh, for the first time in three years. And there were probably some tough conversations and tough practices in the last couple of weeks with the, with the bye week. We had some ones versus ones, and you know, Garrett Nelson getting a black shirt I think was a pretty stern signal to the other to two of the other outside linebackers, Ferguson and also Caleb Tanner, who had his pulled saying, this is what we're looking for, and you guys aren't putting out what we're looking for. And with Ferguson, you never felt like you got his full potential. He was always a guy who tantalized you, who you felt could be a big play guy off the edge, which this team desperately needs. But he never could stay healthy. And uh, you read his stats, even when he was out there this year, 
he didn't do a whole lot. So it's not like it's a big loss for this team. You lose a little depth at outside linebacker, but you know that's that's not a position like inside linebacker or D-line where, where you need a big rotation. And you lose a guy who wasn't doing much for you on the field. And if he's you know left the program, there's obviously a disconnect there where he was probably hurting you off the field while not providing that much on the field. So not a big loss, but just shows this, this program's at a very critical point in its development under Scott Frost. It's sad to me. Here you have a senior who's been a part of the program for five years. Remember, he took the red shirt early in his career, played as a true freshman, took a red shirt the second year because he felt like Nebraska had a lot of depth at linebacker, including our pal Josh Banderas. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I'm going to red shirt to just give me some space with this group. And I loved the way he practiced. He was practicing hard, but it obviously went south. And it's sad to me because after almost five years in the program, he's not going to have that senior day. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have that final come out of the tunnel, get your name announced by you yeah. in, in a couple of weeks. So with three games to go, career over, dismissed from the team. I, I find that sad that whatever went wrong, we may never know what what went wrong, that he can't finish it out after putting almost five full years into it here in Lincoln. And considering there are only three guaranteed games left, I mean, it had to be pretty serious for Correct. Scott Frost and this coaching staff, whether he made it, whether the coaching staff kicked him off or whether Tyron Ferguson left, things had to come to a pretty big head for the party's who, whichever party initiated it to say, yeah, this needs to end. So uh, to end with three weeks left, senior, you know, the, the next to last home game. So he must have been a pretty negative force if, if it's ending right here. Yeah, it's sad. Again, yeah. I go back to that, that verb that is just sad to me. We don't believe that he swung a helmet at a helmetless teammate like Miles Garrett did of the Cleveland Browns last night. The NFL acted quickly, swiftly, and with a very strong arm, uh, suspending him for the rest of the year, and he'll have to be pre-approved to come back and play again in the National Football League. Hefty fines that were delivered to both the Browns and the Steelers. This was this was really bad late last night in that game between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Just a total lack of discipline and composure. And, and hey, you know, Mason Rudolph isn't blameless in this. No. Like he, he, he agitated for this. But here's the deal. If you're Miles Garrett, all you have to do is point at the scoreboard where your team's up by two scores and, and just say, what are you doing, Mason Rudolph? You, you're a bum who can't beat out Ben Roethlisberger and your team just lost. We just beat you. That's all you got to do. Right. Yeah. Instead, he he rips a, he, the helmet comes off and he tries to bang him over the head with it where he could have done some real damage. And so it, this is going to obviously this hurts his career, Miles Garrett's career. And he's a pretty high talent pass rusher. And, and the fact that he hurt his career in this way. That's that, that's a pretty bad statement on him. That says that in that moment, I mean, the game is over. Right. Why 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 aren't you just saying to hell with you? We'll see you in two weeks. 
It was really ugly. Um, happened in the very last minute of that game last night. As late, as Nate mentioned, it was over. The, the Browns had won the game. It was not going to flip. The Steelers were done. It was a good win for the Browns, who've had sure. a very tough year to this point in time. But, boy, did it, sp- it spoil the win for them because of what happened by Garrett. It, it's selfish on, on a few levels because it, it's just selfish, you know, taking – taking those penalties, fighting with a guy. It's selfish taking all the spotlight and all the focus off that win for the Browns in a year where it's been a rough year for them. They and haven't it, beaten the Steelers very often in the ex- last decade plus, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? And, and this is probably why Baker Mayfield was so vociferous after the game about, uh, about Miles Garrett being in the wrong here. It opens up. The Browns for dirty play because, the, you know, this isn't baseball where you hit you hit my three-hole hitter, I'll hit your three-hole hitter. But you've got to think, especially if, if Garrett would have gotten lighter punishment, the Steelers would have retaliated. And if you're a Steeler, you're thinking, well, I've I got to do something on the field to show Mason Rudolph, you know, Smith-Schuster, that team, your skill guys that you have their back, and so this could escalate even more. So just a really selfish act by Miles Garrett, and obviously he's going to pay with the rest of this year, and you wonder if it'll end up being maybe a half-year suspension, so eight games. I could see that. That that seems probably about right. Yeah. So rest of this year and like two games next year, something like that. And that kills the Browns because Garrett's one of the center pre, uh, centerpieces of their defense. Pouncey was good, though, for the Cedars. Yeah. Tackled him, took him to the ground in the yeah. end zone. He did get suspended, too, for his actions in that part of the brawl. It was a really ugly scene for the National Football League, but I do applaud the league. They acted quickly. They didn't do a long, drawn-out deal. They acted, They came down hard. These obviously are going to get appealed, and sure. maybe some of the suspensions are limited a little bit, but I do applaud the NFL for acting within 12 hours and having a ruling out. They, they had to, though. I, this was going to dominate the sports conversation, and, and it still will be yeah. a big part of it. I mean, we're still talking about it 20-some hours later, and you know, as we get ready for the NFL weekend, it'll be a big part of the conversation around pro football this week. But at the very least, there won't be the discussion. There won't be the, well, will the NFL what are they gonna speak do? out? What, what's going on? The NFL has said its piece. Yeah. And everybody can move on and adjust and and live with that. And that helps kill the story a little bit. All right. Uh, big night. State semifinals going on around the state. A lot of exciting high school action. I saw that Omaha West Side had a big lead on uh, Millard South, like 28 nothing at halftime. Uh, so I know some folks maybe are on their way, maybe tailgating before their own high school game tonight. <laughs> and they got a pretty good night weather-wise for these state semis. Yeah, as bad as the weather was earlier this week and, you know, last week, early part of the week, we're getting spoiled uh, for the weekend. I mean, the weather's yeah. going to be quite good for the football game tomorrow. And even tonight under the Friday night lights, it's going to be pretty good. And I'm sure City of Omaha is hopping, I think, all four semis. At Buell Stadium up yeah. at Millard. Uh, is hosting the two Class A's. Right. And I think both Class B's are in the Omaha Metro tonight as well, Ron Colley and Scott. So the metro area dominating the uh, high school football. Yeah, and I, did, I know the Scotch Bluff-Ron Colley game is underway in Class B as well. So um, have fun if you're headed to a game. Enjoy yourself. Be good sports out there. Don't be 
Don't be Miles Garrett tonight. No. no don't pop don't, somebody with a helmet. Don't do that. We are inside 12 hours from the start of our pregame coverage for Husker football. Tomorrow's a big red take on the Wisconsin Badgers. 11 o'clock kickoff. Husker game day. Each and every week focuses in on one Cornhusker. We call it the Cornhusker Conversation. And Ben McLaughlin joins us now to give us a little snippet of your Cornhusker conversation for tomorrow. Yeah, I've been purposely waiting to to do this this player in particular for uh, for the end of the season, and um, you know just to kind of get some reflection of him. And that would be senior captain Muhammad Barry. Uh, obviously, has meant a lot to this team off the field and, and on the field as well. Hard to believe that you know three just three guaranteed games left for him in his Husker career. And we got into a little bit about you know reflecting on his growth here as a, as a player, but as a person as well, and. Uh, you know, really what the time here in Lincoln has meant to him. I came in, you know, not the player that I wanted to be. I came out closer to that to that goal player I want to be. Um, for me, just my story here is just like the story of life, honestly. A lot of uh, trials, uh, tribulations of such. And it's, it's all about how you respond to, to any situation. And every situation that I had in um, Nebraska, is uh, my response is what made the difference. And that's what I learned from this program. Uh, I'm thankful for everyone who has uh, put their hands on me and helped transform me, uh, guide me um, in the right direction. I'm thankful for the seniors. Uh, that has helped me, you know, like you say, Luke, uh, Bando, Michael, Rosivy, uh, Nate Gary, um, uh, Malik Collins, and so on and so forth. Um, a lot of people that has, you know, helped me, even if they didn't know it or not, I was looking at them and I seen the things they were doing and I emulated it. And uh, so it's just, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for this, um, thankful for this opportunity. And I just hope that um, the people that I touch continue to grow and become what this program needs I know you want to beat Wisconsin more than than probably anybody on the schedule what what does this week do for you personally you know uh, you got a, a week off rest your body and I was probably not feeling the best but mm-hmm. what would it mean to you to get get one this week against these guys uh, I mean uh, a lot you know um, I just think I, don't over hype the situation to overanalyze and things like that it's just playing football reading your keys and making plays and then making sure my team is ready to play for all all four quarters and that's the biggest thing you got to play all four quarters with them uh, I felt like we competed with them when we went there uh, last year we didn't play all four quarters great and that's what we need to do and just focus on winning the down, not winning the game itself. Because when that happens and you're down in the game, some people think it's over already. You got to just focus on winning the, the down, winning the play itself. So that's what I'm going to focus on. And that's the message to my team. I know we'll wrap this up here. You know, you've got three games left, as we talked about, and everyone wants to big picture it right now, considering where the season's at. You're in it every day. Mm-hmm. Where would you tell us of, of where we're at in this process, you know, of, of getting back to where we need to be and, you know, all the way back to when we talked in Chicago at Media Days in July, t- yeah. you know, to where we're at right now. Where would you say, you know, Nebraska is in this process right now? Uh, the, pr- the process of getting back to glory. Uh, I would say, you know, it's the, the thing is we have a lot of young kids that need to stand up uh, coming past the season, after the season, that you're going to have new leaders. Um, I think um, that 
from a coaching standpoint that we have the right coaches here uh, or right coach. Coach, uh, coach Frost is the right man for the job. And I believe in him to figure out whatever we lack to make sure that um, he combats and um, get some results happening. So um, I can't really say, I don't think it's my, my, uh, you know, my job to assess that, but I think um, we're in great hands and I believe in Coach uh, Frost and I think we're going down the future, uh, be the team that the fans hope we can be. Well, man, it's, I can honestly say there's not a player I want these last three more than you. I hope we can at least get a couple of them and you can you can enjoy one last ride on a bowl game. It's yeah. been a pleasure watching, man. Let's go get it done this week. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Go Big Red. It's Nebraska senior captain, middle linebacker, Mohamed Berry with us. Sneak peek of what you can hear on our Cornhusker conversation here on Husker Game Day. It's going to be a hard one to say goodbye to. Uh, he is as instrumental as anybody of, of keeping this thing and, and getting – that accountability factor up and just setting the example of, of what it's like to be a Husker. Great heart, great fight, big-time desire, a lot of tackles in his Husker career into the top 20 now in career tackles. Ben will be a big part of this game tomorrow. I mean, those inside backers are going to be challenged. You cannot miss. You have, We hear all the time about run fits and that type of thing. You miss against Jonathan Taylor and this Badger offensive line, and it's going to be a big play. Yeah, or you try and take his head off or big hit. He's just going to bounce off you and then run by you and make you look silly. So... Discipline and gang tackling going to be huge. Heck of a back, isn't he? I mean, my goodness. He's elite. He is, and this will be a big challenge for the Huskers. I do feel like, you know, the week off that there'll be some spunk, some fight in that Husker defense tomorrow, and hopefully they can force the turnovers. We came up with this stat right before the Purdue game. Pretty amazing, too. Nebraska hasn't recovered a fumble since the Northern Illinois game. You talk about due, and Nebraska's due for a couple of those to come their way. There's a big fumble from Jonathan Taylor that allowed Illinois back into the game, so if he wants to replicate that performance, I'd be okay with it. You bet. All right, go get some sleep. You and Brendan, 7 a.m., right after Nate and I handle the opening drive. We'll be there bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Very good. All right, Ben McLaughlin, you'll hear him tomorrow during Husker game day. Time right now for this week's Big Ten Game Predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center. Helping people make positive choices. Austin Orman is in our back area with the updated standings. Nate Rohr is dominating this year's competition. Dominating's one word for it. He did break the tie. He went four out of five last week. Ben went three out of five. Greg, you went two out of five. So on the year, that's Nate at 64, correct? Ben at 63, Greg at 59. Still still got work to do. Still, This game's still early, but I'm feeling good, feeling confident. Made a lot of progress. Last I week I missed, I missed the Penn State-Minnesota game. I missed the Northwestern game, which I thought for all day I had that one won, and I missed the Illinois-Michigan State. Oof. That's, yeah, I, I, felt, I felt bad about that Illinois game. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, no, I, didn't. I was feeling bad try, at halftime, I'll tell you that. I, last week when we did the picks – and Josh reported, or maybe it was Austin, reported that you took Illinois. Ben was like, where's he at? Why isn't he here to defend that pick right now? I want to hear his explanation for picking the Illini in that game. <clears throat> Scoreboard, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Miles Garrett, whacking the helmet. <laughs> yep. There you go. Hey, it, it worked out. I got it right. All right, big boy, you can start us off. First game of the day, 11 o'clock, Big Fox. Michigan State at Michigan. Well, I, I made some waves and I made some hay picking against the green and white last week. I'm going to do it again. They're in the tank. They're done. 
Hondo Carpenter wants to hang the entire coaching staff led by Mark D'Antonio, let alone fire him. Yeah, give me the maize and blue. That would make the maize and blue eight and two if they win. I'm with you. I don't know that it's really that close. I think Michigan, I keep telling you guys, nobody's believing me. I think Michigan's dangerous now. I think they figured out their formula on offense. They're playing at a really high level, and they are lying in the weeds, waiting for the Buckeyes in a couple of weeks. Boy, wouldn't they want to mess up that season. Yep, they sure would. Ben is also going with the Wolverines. What are our boys in the back doing on this game? All right, Josh, Brett, and I all go with Michigan as well. Personally, I think they cover the 13 and a half. I think it's a couple touchdowns or more as well. I agree. Yep. yep. Okay, um, up next, I'll take this one. Massachusetts at Northwestern. <laughs> Massachusetts might be the worst football team in the country. They are brutal. Northwestern's like a 40-point favorite. The Cats should have won last week. They will win tomorrow. Northwestern gets it done. How about the, And Ben also agrees with Northwestern as the pick. Austin, how about you guys? I very badly wanted to pick UMass, give them a chance to redeem themselves for my sake after I took them week one against Rutgers when they were up 21-7. Can't bring myself to do it, though. Northwestern, Josh and Brett agree. I'm rooting for the earth under Ryan Field to open up and swallow both these football teams. (laughs) (laughs) Just for their own good and happiness. But barring that, it's got to be Northwestern. I felt bad for them last week. They had control of that game in a last-second field goal with Aiden O'Connell again marching the Boilers down for the game-winning field goal. Purdue snatches it away for Northwestern. But, uh, yeah, the Cats trying to get to – that's on BTN. Very few. You have to go to the alternate channel because Nebraska-Wisconsin at 11 has the main channel on BTN tomorrow. How many people are going to be in Ryan Field for that game, do you think? Will, will there will, – 20? That might be a little Maybe high. 20. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, also at 11 on ABC, Indiana, who had a bye week last week, the Indiana Hoosiers are 7-2. and two. They will play the 8-1 and one Penn State Nittany Lions. Ben McLaughlin is going with Penn State. How about you boys in the back? Yeah, we all pick Penn State as well. I think the spread's a little bit high for this one at 15, 14 and a half points. I think it's – Closer to 10, but I have Penn State. I really want to pick Indiana. You know, and I think Austin's right that the spread is a little hot. I think the Hoosiers are in this thing for fourth quarters, but Penn State has just enough to eke out a win. I say Penn State by about a score. I I think it's closer to 10. I'm really curious what mindset does Penn State bring to this game? I like the Nitty Lions. Are they pouty after losing last week? They have Ohio State next week. Are they already looking ahead? Do they have any respect for Indiana? If they don't, and they are pouty, and they are looking ahead, this could get really interesting in the fourth quarter. But I think they have enough, and the home crowd pulls them through. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. All right, 2.30, BTN, Ohio State at Rutgers. Back to the king, the champion, Nate Rohr. Thought long and hard about this one. <laughs> went, went into the uh, – Roar Memorial Sports Library in deep consideration. Uh-huh. Ohio State by a very large number, even larger than the one the smart guys in the desert said they It's 50-something, isn't it? I'm still taking Ohio State. I don't, don't care. have Chase Young. I don't care. <laughs> they could go 10 on 11 and win this thing by I, 40. I'm so happy that Ohio State caught a break and that suspension was reduced from four games to two. I mean, that, that's a university that just doesn't get many good breaks. Nope. Yeah, they, they were due for something to go their way. Yeah, I've got a huge win for the Buckeyes, Austin. I'm, Gary, I'm thinking you're probably in the same boat. 
I would almost take Ohio State's 2020 recruiting class over Rutgers. <laughs> almost. Almost. But, yes, Ohio State. All right. Ben, ben as well went with Ohio State. All right. Final game of the day. Whoo, boy. This is interesting. Minnesota undefeated, ranked in the top ten, but an underdog to Iowa at Kinnick. I've gone back and forth this week on this game. It just seems to me this is a game the Hawkeyes win, get done, hand Minnesota their first loss, and get that beautiful trophy. Uh, so I'm going with Iowa by a field goal in this game. Ben is opposite of me. He's taking Minnesota to keep it alive and get to 10-0. and Austin, how about you guys in the back? I'm with you, Greg. I've gone back and forth on this one, except I end up on the same side as Ben. Josh and Brett do as well. We're all Minnesota back here. Boat continues to row. A lot of people on this boat. I hope it doesn't sink. (laughs) I'm I'm going ghosts. They've just been playing so well. I like what they trot out there a whole lot more than I like Iowa, who I think is average in every way, shape, or form. What's new there? But... I I like what Minnesota's got. I think they're motivated by the big possibilities that still exist for their season. No hangover. I'm taking the Goves. I'm the only one with Iowa. I'm I'm the only one taking the favorite in this game. We we know more than Vegas, or you're the smart one. Wow. (laughs) Everybody else has buys. Illinois, Maryland, and Purdue all off this week. I'll be anxious to – Finish up our broadcast tomorrow. Watch a little that Minnesota-Iowa game at 3 o'clock. Yeah, that'll be an enjoyable, a good good mix game. You know, Wisconsin-Iowa is just straight ahead old school football. Minnesota's a heavy dose of that, but there's some modern concepts with the Goves, and sure Iowa's still old school, so it should be a good one. Greg Sharp, Nate Roar with you for a couple more minutes before we hand it off to Kent Pavelka and Jake Muehlheisen for some Husker hoops on a Friday night as the Big Red take on South Dakota State at PBA, game number three for the Cornhuskers still in search of Fred Hoiberg's first win. I got a good feeling tonight. They got a chance, but this team hopefully gets to shooting a little better. You want to see them have a little bit of confidence heading out to the Cayman, Cayman Islands and getting ready for that big week in a couple of weeks, Thanksgiving week. Play tonight. Don't play again until next Friday. Kind of an odd schedule. Yeah, you go a week without a game. Yeah. And then – They'll play three in three days. Right. And four in six days? Right, because they play Friday and then travel Saturday, play Monday. Yeah. So, yeah, four in six days where they played last Saturday. They play tonight. Don't play again until ne- next Friday. I yeah. mean, that's just three in three weeks. It's yeah. bizarre. Another another cause of the change. The, the, the staff got here. There was nothing put together for the non-conference schedule. They had to, as long as – as well as retooling the roster, they had to put together a schedule within a couple of weeks. It was a busy month or so for Fred Hoiberg and his staff to get everything ready for this year and just another of the signs of how tough it is in your first year yeah. at a new college basketball program. They basically put Bobby Lutz in charge of the scheduling, and I think he did a pretty good job. This is Southern Utah is going to be a team that wins a lot of basketball games, and getting in the Cayman Islands tournament's a nice little coup. That's a great little place to go. Yeah, good trip for the boys, and they'll face some good competition. It starts out with Washington State on uh, the Monday before Thanksgiving, but they were able to piece together enough of a schedule. I mean, this is not a year where you go out and try and, and giant kill. This is a year where you go out, 
you need to build some confidence. You need to get some good games under your guys' belts. And I think the schedule is constructed in such a way where they can do that. Huskers and Jackrabbits just after 8 tonight. Again, pregame coming up here at the top of the hour. Did you know that the freezer is your friend and makes it easier for healthy foods to be at your fingertips? Today's Healthy Husker Tip brought to you by United Healthcare and the Real Appeal Program. Learn more at realappeal.com. Football tomorrow, 6 a.m., Nayroar. Oh, I got to gotta make my coffee now. I was going to say, you're not going to get a lot of sleep. You're going to the basketball game, too. I'm going to go probably lay on the couch, watch the basketball game, and then get ready for pregame tomorrow. Well, you're, you're more focused and dedicated than me. Well, you're, more, you're a bigger fan. Right. And I got to see this basketball team. I haven't attended either of the first two games. I feel kind of bad, and I don't want Fred Hoiberg to yell at me for not being there. That's so. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I know he cares very deeply that I've – I haven't been there the last couple of days. He's been saying stuff about that, so well, and he is the mayor. I mean, he can have me. He can have me thrown out of town. He could have me thrown in jail. I mean, I, I just don't want to take that risk. We've been watching some Big Ten hoops tonight. Michigan playing Elon Wolverines up at half. Or Roberts is at Iowa tonight. Minnesota at Utah. Ooh. Gophers traveling to Utah. The Gophers played at Butler. Earlier in the week in the Gavit mm-hmm. games, now they're playing at Utah. It's a pretty tough little schedule. Richie Patino jumping yeah. into the deep end of the pool and considering his precarious status up there in Minneapolis, I don't know that I'd take that risk, but oh well. Trying to get those quad one, two wins or whatever. Yeah, we'll see. They we'll don't see. use the RPI anymore in hoops, do they? No, they don't. It's the NET. The NET. It's the net. The net. RPI is still very much applicable for volleyball. Mm-hmm. For the ball bat sports, certainly use that a lot. I saw that the Husker volleyball team, I think, is eighth in the RPI. Oof. Yeah, probably not going to. Not going to host. Yeah. All the way through. Right. But you'll get a first weekend here in, in Lincoln. Sure. So that's a good start to the tournament. We'll see if they can make it to a fifth straight Final Four. John Cook's squad in action tomorrow night at the Devaney Center, 7 o'clock against Iowa. We'll have it for you on the full network tomorrow night after our football coverage tomorrow.